You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past. I'm your host, Matt Pappas, certified life coach specializing in overcoming anxiety and trauma recovery. And this podcast is all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. Each week, you'll hear from coaches, clinicians, and advocates who've overcome tremendous odds and are now using their journey to inspire you throughout yours. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Are you ready? Let's do this. So Dawn and Amanda, welcome to the show. How are you both? We're wonderful. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for inviting us. Um, well, I'm Dawn Compton, and I'm um, I'm a registered nurse by trade, but Amanda and I have a pretty interesting story, and I'll let her pick up from here because she does such an awesome job of explaining um, how we how this all came about. Um, yeah, so my name is Amanda Schrader. I'm also a nurse, um, which is really just kind of a fun little fact, uh, and I'll get more to that. So Dawn and I actually met about 18 years ago at a backyard Bible club. Dawn was a part of a church that brought the church to the community. They brought Christ to the community, and um, they came to my neighborhood when I was nine years old. Dawn was 19 at the time. There's a perfect 10-year little gap between us. And um, she, so I was actually raised in an atheist home, and I went to that backyard Bible club that summer, uh, really just as a means to get a means to get the kids out of the house. I think more so than anything. And so we went, and that was the first time I really truly was introduced to Christ. And I learned some very valuable lessons that week. I learned to walk by faith, which is great because Don actually has a picture of that, and. Um, it kind of became the foundation for which both of our lives were really built upon. So I met her then, and I remembered her all these years because she had such a a positive role in my life, I guess. Um, she's just a very positive person. <laughs> she really is. But um, Anyways, I came to work in Jones County, which is the county we both work in. And this this didn't happen in Jones County, by the way. We didn't meet 18 years ago. Neither one of us is really from Forest County, where the, the, the backyard Bible club was. And so about two years ago, I came to work for a home health agency in Jones County. And lo and behold, Dawn was here. And she was a nurse. And I remembered who she was right away. Um, just because of what she represented for me. And about three year, three months, sorry, three months into working for this company, she invited me to her home, and I just, I knew that it was time to have that conversation with her um, because I very easily could have just thrown that out her the first day I saw her, but it just wasn't the right time. So I brought it up, and the conversation really, I can't do it justice in the amount of time that we have, but she had pictures from this time. She knew exactly what I was talking about. She said that she was there the summer of 99, and she brought out the pictures, and we just, I started crying because to see 
that part of my childhood in photos was incredible to see my brother and my sisters and that was incredible and that's when I shared that I had a very difficult childhood that um and Dawn then shared um, with me then I, I told her that I understood because I had had a very hard childhood as well I've been sexually abused for the first 11 years of my life and at that point she grabbed my arm and she said oh my goodness, you have no idea. I was going through the very same thing whenever you guys came to us that summer. Mm -hmm. And so we were just completely blown away by the fact that here we are, you know, 17 years later at that time, and um, we were brought back together. Um, I mean, it's just, it was, the odds were just, you know, we realized it was a God thing. And so that weekend, we began to um, to pray, actually, the same prayer that, God, if there's a, a ministry in this, if there's a purpose in this, please allow it to be. Mm -hmm. And I had reached out to some of the other um, college kids that were there that summer, now adults, um, and one of the guys that was there with me that summer, he lives in D.C. now as a warrior. He also has... Um, a blog that he does so he asked if he could write about it and so he wrote our story and it was the very first time that either one of us had really you know publicly told our story and from that point forward we had both um, actually wanted to write our story for quite some time God laid it on our heart to write a book and so we began that process of actually writing out our story, which is, is kind of interesting because when we started to really bring all of our information together, it flowed really well. And we discovered that we've really been writing our story um, for many years in poetry and journal entries and you know, prayers. And we had so much um, you know, information already that we just kind of pieced it all together into a perfect, yeah, that became a book. Um, what an incredible, no, go ahead, go ahead, it's all good. I'm sorry, that's kind of, no, and that good. essentially is how Voice for the Silence was born. Um, we, we went into it with, I think, at first protection of the book, and then we realized after a certain situation happened that it really, there was more ministry in it. And that's really just how God worked things out for us. Um, but that's where Voice for the Silence came from. When we were able to really appreciate being able to speak about what we had gone through, we realized that there was a lot of healing in that. And especially to connect with each other the way that we did through um, our abuse, we realized that, you know, we, our calling was to be voices for the silenced. We wanted to be able to speak out and change the way the community viewed this awful thing that happens on a daily basis and to so many people around. That's right. And so the Facebook page happened about, well, almost a year ago now. It's about a year old. And we really just put that up there to, to share our story and to offer encouraging words and, um, you know, just explain our process and so people could kind of keep up with where we are and the book and everything. So we discovered that, you know, in that there was so many people that 
had a similar story and they wanted to reach out to us about their own. And so we've done several um, series, I guess, where we would focus on a particular um, you know, focus of, you know, healing or, or what have you or, you know, how to address abuse in a church or, you know, we would do different little series with articles and resources and and really over the past several months we've collected a lot of um, of resources for people that we have put up on our page and um, so recently something else that's happened is that um, we have wanted to look into establishing a child advocacy center here in our own county because it does not have one and the way that that came about was um, it was a God his will um, yeah so the the child advocacy center so as it turns out um, Don and I were both not only you know really victims of uh, childhood sexual assault but also we were both really we fell through the cracks in the system uh, for me when my abuse was recorded we went to DHS and I, I was actually the same day that we went to DHS with the family I was sent back home with my abuser and from that point on we did I did go to a I had a forensic interview but after that it was just complete silence you know we never heard anything he was never arrested he was never registered as a sex offender to my knowledge he wasn't even investigated at that point and even today he's still um, not registered so I, I wanted to know I, I searched for validation for a good while because I wanted to know why was nothing done and once I found out because I did I did go back and I asked um, the right questions to the right people and they were like well as it turns out you were very much believed there was no reason to indicate that you were um, given any type of false information we just nobody did anything about it and that really really got to me because you know how do you how do you process something like that to know that you were believed as a child nobody did anything about it though it was like okay it, it, it makes people feel like almost like they don't matter enough to follow through there was no accountability and not only that but by not having any form of help with what I went through it was almost like he got away I mean he did he got away scot free and it wasn't even about that at that point it was like he was okay to carry on the behaviors that he did and that's the scary part about it so that's when you know if, if we would have had a child advocacy center at that time and Dawn with her own um, you want to share a little bit about how you sure. kind of fell through the cracks so with my abuser he was arrested when I was 11 years old and at that point I really um, withdrew from not only my own family but um, pretty much everyone because it was a very highly publicized case and it was all over the news and I stopped watching television at that point and it was just generally it was just embarrassing and I was a preteen at that time and going into my teenage years and I felt like everybody knew what was happening because it was all over the news and I lived in a very small town 
so I really just withdrew from everyone. And years later, as a young adult, I went back to the courthouse and found the records and saw where there was a conviction and he was allowed to live out house arrest at his own home until he passed away. But in digging through those records, I found two testimonies that had my name in them that acknowledged the fact that I had been abused as well. But no one ever came to me with questioning. There was no investigation. You know, my um, family um, did not press charges against him, and it was forbidden to talk about it. So, you know, to see your name in black and white in a court record mm-hmm. when you were 11, you know, it, it just was mind-blowing. And so that accountability that Amanda was talking about, you know, that was what was lacking. And and that's what a CAC would offer. A child advocacy center is it's more like a safe haven. It's where a child can go and give their testimony one time uh, for their forensic interview. And um, it's it's at that point it's for all the right. The, a, a multidisciplinary team comes forth, and that resources to the child and the family for um, a prosecution, for advocacy, for the help that the child needs to be able to get through what they've gone through. And the great thing about a child advocacy center is it's not just for sexual assault, it's also, it's for any type of abuse. The community and society as a whole has to have some accountability. You know, there needs to be a group of people that comes forth and says enough is enough. And when this does happen, let's make sure that these kids are able to get through it in a healthy manner instead of just brushing them aside or allowing these these kids to fall through the cracks in the system. And unfortunately, it is a broken system, and we're hoping that Child Advocacy Center, especially for our area, can kind of be the clue to make sure some of that doesn't happen any longer. Your story is just so incredible. The way that you both met and then got reacquainted years later and finding out that you have um, a common past it's so unique and it's just such an amazing story and the resources that you both are trying to put together here with the CAC are just so needed, um, especially at a local level. You know, there are things available online, classes and books and videos and, you know, conferences and things of that nature. But to get something at a local level where, where children and families can come right in their own neighborhood and receive in, information and, and care and resources, it's just it's so needed. And I applaud you both for this movement. Is there a way that people can help get involved with this to help out? At this point, we do have a petition that we started, and we have a link for that on our pinned post on our Facebook page. And honestly, that was really just to get the conversation started and raise awareness Mm -hmm. in our area. And the general consensus has been, why don't we have this already? Why are we sending so many of our kids across county lines hours away to go and receive services when they can get this right here in our county. Um, So the petition's up and that helps to raise awareness. And our next step um, right now is to get the commitment from the different agencies that we need and the youth court judge in our area um, to agree to this. And so we're working on that. We actually have 
some meetings coming up that's going to be really instrumental in deciding whether or not this is going to be feasible for our area. And we've had a really positive response, we should say. Um, but we do have some meetings coming up that are going to be instrumental in that. The next step for us is going to be to establish a 501c3. And from that point forward, and what we, that is is a nonprofit. It's it's the it's everything for a nonprofit organization because that's what child advocacy centers are. They're nonprofit. Yes. And so from that point forward, we mm -hmm. hope to start doing some fundraising and, and all. But right now, you know, this is we're kind of doing all the footwork for it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's several other people that are you know have been very involved in the process as far as talking to others and raising awareness, but for right now, we, yeah. are, we want people to talk about it at this point. Once we get this off the ground, which uh, I think is sooner rather than later, honestly, and it, it's exciting, it's scary, it's a whole bunch of things at one time, but um, we're ready to move forward. We think there this is such a need, and, and we're so passionate about this. But once we get this off the ground, you know, when fundraising starts, we want people to be involved. We want people to know the statistics. We want people to be able to take care of the kids, even in your area. If you're not part of a part of our area, find out if your area has a local child advocacy center and how you can be involved. So right now, we want people to talk and to question whether or not what kind of accountability you have in your area for these kids. and um, you know, once we get going, it's all about the funding at that point. I will certainly do all I can to help spread the word. The information about your Facebook page and the petition, I'll make sure that it's in the blog post and in the show notes. Um, as you both uh, ramp up the fundraising and get your message out there more and more, I would be honored to help spread the word any way that I can. This type of thing getting people involved and talking about it, sharing the tough statistics of, you know, one in four girls, one in six boys will have been sexually abused before their 18th birthday. And by the way, those are older stats that have been around for quite a while. I've read more recent stats that are one in three and one in four right now. But regardless, they're, they're sobering, sad statistics. And it's just another reason why the center that you're trying to start is just so important. And getting the message out there, getting the word out there, and getting resources available is just so important. And that, that's so, it is sad because a lot of times people don't want to have that conversation because they don't, I mean, it's not a comfortable topic. And the sad thing is, is from the statistics that we have, that's just from what's reported. There are so many kids that are so conditioned to what they live in that they don't realize it's even a problem. And it's so sad to think that way. And, and you start to think about um, how big of an umbrella this is because with that you have um, sex trafficking and and everything else that's involved with that and it's really sad to know that a lot of these kids really are conditioned to that and they don't even know that what they're going through is wrong and that they're being abused so the statistics that we have that's just from what's reported and it it, it is really staggering it's very sad and we should point out you know again that a CAC, it serves kids that are not only um, sexually abused, but mm -hmm. any type of child abuse. And in the U.S. alone, there's an estimated 700,000 kids that are victims of child abuse. Mm -hmm. And that's annually. That mm -hmm. is every year, 700,000 kids. And in 2015 alone, there was 
1,670 children that have died from abuse and neglect. That's, I mean, one is too many. Right. But Absolutely. Over a thousand, 1,670. It's awful, and it's easy. It's very easy to see why people don't want to have this conversation because when you when you introduce accountability, you also introduce vulnerability, and I, I think those two things no person really wants to face, but we have to because people are suffering, children are suffering from this, and who's going to stand up for them and to say that they matter enough to to do something to protect them? How you doing, my friend? This is Matt. Your host right here on Beyond Your Past, a podcast all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. If you enjoy these shows, please consider subscribing and leaving a review. I would so appreciate it. Feel free also to contact me anytime. You can do so via my website, beyondyourpast.com. I'd love to hear from you. And now let's get back to the show. It's when you become open and vulnerable to share your story and gain the courage to stand up and say, yes, I'm a survivor and this happened to me, but it doesn't define who I am right now. Being able to be that open and that vulnerable is courageous and it's so needed by as many people as possible that can stand up and be counted on to help spread the word and to encourage others. Um, the world just needs more people like you, Dawn, and like you, Amanda, to use your story in your own voice, in your own words, to help start these tough conversations that nobody really wants to have. Realizing, too, that just because something happened to you as a child doesn't mean that it still doesn't affect you as an adult. As you and I both know, and as so many survivors know, the after effects of trauma linger well into adulthood. And even as you work on them through your own healing journey, things still come up. Um, you know, for me, I suppressed my trauma for 30 plus years and I had no idea the entire time just how much it was affecting my daily life. And once I realized that and started working on my healing, so many things just, you know, totally came into place. The way I felt about myself, my self-esteem, the weight problems, relationship issues, illnesses, eating disorders. So much of this stuff can be traced back to childhood trauma. And until we realize that and start working on ourselves, we continue to suffer without even realizing the full extent of what's happening. Absolutely. We are so um, humbled to the, the calling um, that's been placed upon us to do this. And you're absolutely right The this is the effects of this are ongoing. The thing that Don and I have struggled with trying to get people to understand is that yes, we do. Um, we are in a completely different place in our healing process. It took us a long time to get to where we are when we finally realized that we had to accept that this thing happened to us. And we had to, I know for me personally, that was the big thing. I never wanted to really be labeled as a victim. I wanted to move forward and not have this label on me. When I finally realized that this was something that happened to me, um, I, it's almost like I embraced it in a way because I was like, yes, this happened to me, but this isn't all that happened to me. I'm not just the little abused girl. I'm a mom and I'm a nurse and I'm a wife. I'm so many other things and I have a heart for this and I talk about it not because I've allowed it to define me, but because I've embraced it and I want to change it for other people. And I think that's important for people to understand. And when you talk about the lasting effects, Dawn has some stuff that she'd like to share with you on, on what that looks like. Yeah, that um, just kind of hit me there because not too long ago, I was made aware of something called the ACEs study, and I'm not sure if you've heard of this or not, but the oh, yeah, absolutely. Experience <laughs> that I've experienced it, yes, 
Yep. So that was life changing for me. And if you guys haven't heard of it, it's the ACE study, Adverse Childhood Experiences Study by mm-hmm. Kaiser and the CDC. And when I read through this and how, you know, they proved that there is a link between early childhood trauma and chronic diseases like heart disease and cancer and diabetes and that, you know, those are some of the most common causes of death in the United States. And, you know, not only that, but, you know, kids that go through a trauma, they're less likely to be productive members of society. They're less likely to open a bank account or own homes or cars. So, you know, they're not being a productive member of society. And like Amanda was saying, you know, I think people sometimes look at us like we're quote-unquote okay now, mm-hmm. but we weren't. Right, and yeah. there's still things that we struggle with. Um, Absolutely. I, I have post-traumatic stress disorder. I still have flashbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we we both, we struggle with those things, and, you know, when they happen, we deal with them, and we move, on, you know, we move forward. We're not, we don't get so as stuck as we used to get. So this is an ongoing healing process, and we we embrace that. We understood that, and we still do. It's something that we get through every day. And we've, you know, we've learned to cope in a constructive right, way instead of a self-destructive right. way. And that was, you know, that was something that we had to kind of figure out on our own and, and through our faith walk as well. You know, I mean, we, yes, we have relied on God so much and we've praised him through this whole process because he's honestly brought us to the point where we're at. But, you know, there were times where we were not okay and we were desperately, you know, crying out silently for someone to come rescue us. Exactly. And, you know, the great thing about having the two of us doing this together is the the thing that means the most to me is that, you know, when I'm having a low day or a low, a low moment, Dawn's there to pick me up and then vice versa. It's like that for so many other people. That's where Voice for the Talent, that's what we do. You know, that's what we want to do. When you're having a low moment, when you're having, when you're stuck in your rut and you, you're trying to self-destruct, you know, it's, easier to have somebody who is very empathetic to what you've been through to help pick you up and show you that we can keep going and that you don't have to be a victim to the the chains that you feel like you're carrying. It's through the education and the resources, things that you both are trying to put out there for survivors and their families that really helps us understand the ramifications of what childhood trauma really does to us. And that study you mentioned, the ACES study, it's called ACES Too High, and you can find that at ACES. T-O-O-H-I-G-H dot com, aces2high.com. And you can go there and get your score, and you actually learn about what your score means. You can learn more about the work that's being done, the research, the resources available, how you can get involved, and just so much great information there on the ACES site. So I, I highly recommend if you are a survivor or you are a family member or a friend or work with somebody who is a survivor, definitely go and check out the ACES study. It's a very important and very well uh, put together site. You know, so many times, especially when this happens as a child, um, you know, you guys were both talking about it. You're scared. You're ashamed. You're alone. You don't know who to trust. You feel betrayed. You know, you don't want to tell anybody um, because you've been threatened or because, again, you're just ashamed and, and you have no idea what to do as a child. So you end up staying silent and you never end up realizing that there's help out there. There's people who do care, people who you can trust, and you can actually realize 
that you are not alone. But again, so often because of a lack of resources or fear or other reasons, we just stay silent. So having these tough conversations, the ones that you are trying to start, the ones that I'm trying to start, the ones that every mental health uh, advocate and survivor of trauma, anybody who cares is trying to start and have, take advantage of that opportunity when it arises to share your story and to get the word out there. Because the more people that talk about it, the more resources that are, that are available, the more voices that are, that are out there, um, not being ashamed and not being silent, that just helps everybody in the end. You know, this topic is very close to my heart. It's something that I've blogged about for a long time, something I do podcasts about. And I'm just honored to be on this journey with both of you. And I'm so glad that you are both speaking out and sharing your story. Uh, something else you both mentioned that's also key um, is that as we go through life and as survivors, you know, we oftentimes do feel like we look normal or that people think we're just like normal, like everybody else. And I hate using the word normal, but I think you kind of get where I'm going with here. It's that we may look like we're okay on the outside. And because we've done a lot of healing work, we are able to handle daily life a pretty decent way. Um, but, you know, we still have those tough days, those flashbacks, the emotions, the memories, things that still haunt us and linger on that we still have to get worked through, um, you know, that we have to deal with. And because triggers can happen at any time, we're still vulnerable and we're still healing. But again, as I said, and as you have both mentioned, um, where we are now versus where we were is a light year, you know, indifference. But, the fact is, is that there's always work to be done and that this is an ongoing journey. Absolutely. Right. I think it's really important, especially, I mean, it's, it's important for everybody to know their worth, especially as children. You know, I know being a mom of two young boys, it, um, it's important for them, for me as a, a parent, for them to understand how much they're worth in my life and how much not only to me, I mean, but most importantly, how much they're worth to God. And, and when I, if I were to teach my kids that they weren't worthy of a decent education or worthy of um, moving on or doing anything with their lives, they would just stay, you know, they're going to decline through life. And I think it's really important for people and especially children to understand their worth. And it's our job as adults and as parents to make sure that they understand that and that they know that they're worth so much. Um, they're worth protecting and they're, they're worth, you know, being alive and being here and, and being somebody, whoever they want to be. And it, that is, it's so hard to really put words on it sometimes because I'm so we get so passionate about it and we get so caught up in it but um it, it really is I can't ever I can't express enough how important it is for people to understand their worth I'm glad that you both have come on here today I want to make sure before we <clears throat> before we end the show that we get a chance to talk about your book a little bit so let us know the status of the book um when it's going to be available and any other information that that you'd like to share on and actually, today was a, a big day with that. We submitted our final copy, our final um, picture for the cover. Everything that um, needed to be submitted was submitted today. Yeah, and we got confirmation from um, the production manager there that they've gotten everything. And we're moving forward with production of the book. And this is the thing we all like we had this we set this goal for ourselves. Okay, we want it done here and we want it done at this time and and it's so funny because it was like God was like, Well girls, 
I don't really work on your time. So, <laughs> um, you know, life happens. Thing, things have happened and sickness has happened. And we just, for whatever reason, and we really don't question now because we, we understand, but for whatever reason, things just didn't work on the timing that we expected it to. But we we were going through editing and I feel like we stayed in editing forever. But now we're in the production phase of our book, and within the next couple coming weeks, we'll have a physical book in hand, and we are working on our second book um, because apparently we really don't like sleep, and um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know uh, I was joking about this yesterday. We when even the the youth court judge yesterday, he was like. Um, are y'all still working full-time as nurses? And we were like, yeah. And the look on his face was priceless. And it's funny to our friends and family because they know everything that we're involved in. And they're like, well, of course you are because you're Don and Amanda. Why wouldn't you be? So uh, we are working on our second book. It's a devotional piece. And we're very excited about that. Um, we're praying a lot about it because we've had some growing pains with this first one. But it's, it's, and they're learning curves and we've learned a lot. Um, but we are really excited for Nursing the Wounds to be out and to be available to everybody. I couldn't be more excited for both of you for this resource, for the advocacy center that you are working to get um, up and running here, for just sharing your story, coming on here on the show, having the Facebook page, and just really using your story, your faith, your your voice to to get the word out there. I'm I'm glad that you both came on the show. I'm honored to know you and call you friends. I can't wait to read the book. I think it's going to be awesome. Why don't we go ahead and wrap it up? You can tell everybody where to find you on the web and more information about how to, how to contact you if they want to get involved in your work. Absolutely. So probably the easiest way to find us would be on Facebook, and you can search us in the search bar by looking for at nursing the wounds, the at symbol nursing the wounds, or you can look for um, facebook.com slash nursing the wounds. We're Voice for the Silence LLC. You'll see a little picture of a lotus flower um, as our icon and then some angel wings with a picture of us that you can barely see. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking at our Facebook page right now. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, and Nursing the Wounds, I don't know if we've said that, but Nursing the Wounds is the name of our first book. And um, I, I do want to point out the reason why we do have the lotus flower as our symbol is because uh, for those of you who don't know what a lotus flower is, it's a beautiful flower that has to push through the muddy, nasty, murky water to reach the sun, and it becomes this beautiful flower. And that really was representative of our lives, you know, as an in our early childhood, we were given this murky, kind of muddy life, but it became so representative of where we wanted to be in life. We wanted to grow in Christ and to overcome this. We wanted to rise above the water. And um, so that's why we have the lotus flower. Dawn and Amanda, thanks so much for joining me. I'm so glad that you both came on the show today. I'm honored to help share your story, and we'll definitely keep in contact in the future as your book comes out, as your second book uh, gets underway, and as we learn more about your uh, striving to get the CAC up and running and provide resources for families and survivors in your local area. Thank you again both, and thanks everybody for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. Thanks for listening to Beyond Your Past. 
part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Information shared on this podcast should not be considered as a substitute for professional medical help or mental health counseling. If you've ever considered working with a certified coach, or if you simply have questions about how working with a coach can benefit you, just head on over to beyondyourpast.com for more information and to schedule your free introductory session. We'll work together to figure out what's holding you back so that you can realize your full potential and discover the authentic you. Remember, you are worth it. Achieving your goals and waking up each day knowing that you can handle what's coming and thrive is something that everyone deserves. So take that first step and contact me today and let's do this. Talk to you soon.